In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and begin with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to the St. Philip Institute podcast, where we talk about how to teach the Catholic faith to all peoples. And today I'm joined by Doug Berry. My name is Father Justin Braun. And today's episode, we're going to be discussing the discipline of discipleship, or St. John Paul II coined it in his Catechesis on the Human Person, self-mastery. Now, we realize in today's culture, we're inundated with the idea and the image of physical perfection. Uh, just go to your grocery store and look at all, all the things on the news rack. And we see that healthy eating and exercise are kind of a constant topic of conversation. There's a new study that suggests this, that, so on and so forth. But exercise, healthy eating, these are all part of a discipline to achieve some goal. And even more recently, uh, the, the discipline of training our minds, the, the online apps that uh, really are, I think, a, genuinely a helpful thing, especially for people who maybe are not engaged as much in work as they used to be, or engaged in interpersonal interaction, um, for those who are lonelier or uh, just have more time on their hands, uh, these kind of games I know my dad plays, uh, you know, just to kind of keep his, his brain sparking. But uh, we, we see all this effort to have discipline that, that maintains the body, right. um, maintains to an, a sense the mind, and at the same time we see very little effort on disciplining the soul mm. in terms of our morality, disciplining the flesh in terms of our appetites, not just you know the sexual appetites, but um, ironically in the midst of this whole eating healthy exercise thing, we also still see commercials that are just about the sumptuousness of food, of saying right. yes to uh, one company's slogan is have it your way. And, and basically we continue to see this dichotomy of good physical health and at the same time, morally speaking, just do what feels good. Right. And ultimately, Doug, you and I both know that th th these two things are not going to work out. Uh, in fact, they're contradictory. But the culture that creates this is, is confusing you know, it's very easy to see. So many people are confused. It's narcissistic because that, that obsession with self, that uh, particularly as our physical image goes, becomes such a, a, in, a insular kind of mentality. And, and it's ultimately untethered to any real goal, this discipline of even physical exercise and healthy dieting. Like, what's the goal? Is it to look like the guy on the front of the magazine or is it to, to just be a healthy person? Sure. Um, so today we want to talk about discipline in the context of discipleship because that that basic you know name of christians disciples of jesus mm -hmm. christ it, it, we're students of the master and so we're going to talk about this discipline of discipleship as a means to combat the culture around us and to help us fulfill our baptismal mission to bring the good news to the world 
Now, this discipline of discipleship or this road of self-mastery really involves responding to Christ's command to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him. It comes straight from our Lord's lips, and it involves our whole self. It's not just some part of me. It's all of me, mind, body, and soul. And in order to live this out, we have to, we have to tackle it. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have to you know, not just be in the defensive position, but be in the offensive position to, to grow in this self-mastery so that we're free to do the good things that God has called us to do through our baptism. And so we're going to really kind of dive into this, knowing that this is going to air right around the time of the beginning of Lent, um, to kind of look at the discipline of discipleship through the lens of the, the three traditional Judeo-Christian practices of mortification or fasting, uh, of prayer and of almsgiving, and that's, some people are automatically like, oh, I'm turning this podcast off, they're going to talk about money. Trust me, <laughs> we're not just going to be beating you up on what you got to do to be right with God through your, your checkbook. We're going to really talk about the, the spirituality of, mm. of almsgiving and how it, right. it helps to chasten us even more uh, to, to live less for ourselves and live more for God and for our brothers and sisters. So um, right, cut right into it. Just what's your first memory of a Lenten discipline? Give up chocolate. Oh. Yeah, that's it right there. How'd that's it go? <laughs> I mean, how many days well, did you get in before the, you gave up? Yeah, for the couple of weeks that it lasted, and then you start cheating on that a little bit. you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing years ago this story. Imagine you're standing before the throne of God, and then you're, you're welcomed into heaven, and you're, you're greeted at the banquet table, and there you are with the saints, you're there with the martyrs, and they're all talking about what they gave for the Lord. And Peter says, I gave my life upside down, crucified on a cross. And mm-hmm. St. Lawrence says, I allowed myself to be cooked over a fire. And, and St. Paul, they cut my head off. And it's going down the line, Doug, what'd you give up? I gave up chocolate <laughs> for Lent. Not even year-round, just for, just Lent. for Lent. You know, and, and so the whole Lenten practice, I mean, it, it, it is confusing because a lot of people will say, well, you know, it's just this little window of time. And 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 you know what I I like the idea of kind of turning these things into a three sixty five type mm-hmm. of approach. You know, mm-hmm. there's a thing out there going on right now, Exodus ninety, which yeah. I love the idea, the the concept of it, and and I, you know I do this Wednesday night workout here in Tyler with the guys, and we got a you know, good number of guys that come and we do. It's like an hour long, and it goes after that longer than that because a lot of guys will stick around for other stuff. We do some basic self defense, church safety training, and we do some physical training and so forth. But I'm always bringing up these principles, concepts of you know, Catholic masculinity and just, you know, being a godly man and so forth in different mm. ways. And one of the things came up was Exodus 90, and I said, yeah, we need an Exodus 365. The concept being, um, let's turn it into a regular thing year-round. What we're doing exactly what, what we're talking about here in this podcast mm-hmm. is mortify the senses, make sure we're, we're, we're mastering the self, self-mastery, and we're, we're giving of ourselves, you know, to God, to the church, for the sake of the salvation of souls and the glory of God. And, you know, so for me, Lent was always just get that little window of your 40 days in when really I wasn't looking at it the right way. And and at times it wasn't even presented the right way as to what the goal overall of Lent is to try to help us make good habits and learn to mortify and fast and so forth all the time in some Mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. I mean, Fridays, even though uh, the whole idea that we don't have to meet on Friday, we can eat meat on Fridays now, well, that was... Some say it was done away with back in the late 60s or whatever that time period was, and it really wasn't. If you read canon law, we're still obligated to sacrifice fast something mm-hmm. on the day of the week that our Lord gave his life for us. So it should be year-round. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Lent to me was, you know, Lenten sacrifices was chocolate or candy or ice cream or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think my first, uh, just kind of start there for both of us, and then we'll, we'll get more deep into this question of what is mortification and why and all that, but... 
oh man, this is so, yeah, it's so lame when I think about what, <laughs> what, you know, what is a, what does a kid give up? So I wasn't really a big sweet tooth guy. And so that, that was not a, a huge sacrifice for me. Uh, what I had to give up, I remember one time was watching Rangers baseball and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a pretty big sports fan in general, but baseball is my gig. It's it's where I find so much joy uh, at a purely human level. And, you know, Lent, you're just getting kind of the – you're not even really going to see much baseball anyways. Right. So it's kind of cheating. I was like, oh, I'm going to miss some spring season games, <laughs> and I might miss the first two weeks. So it was – I was just like, gosh, later on, like, that's so lame. But, you know, in my, you know, childish seven-year-old mind, this was such a big sacrifice. And that didn't really, obviously, didn't have massive impact. I still do watch the Rangers. I didn't, right. wasn't able to give that up completely. But <laughs> the idea that— If only you, you loved more, Father, you uh, would give it all up. What's right, the matter with right, you? Right, I know. I, know, I do. I have a <laughs> long ways to go. Thankfully, God's been patient so far. But the— uh, yeah, just the con- you said it well. Just sometimes it's not presented correctly. So I, I want to kind of start with a, a basic definition of mortification, and we'll we'll kind of expand from there as to to other examples that did make an impact, and then we'll talk about how we ex- you know continue it in our you know three sixty five life. Because I'm with you, mm-hmm. uh, Doug. That's a huge point that I, I've been trying to integrate in my own life, admittedly with with faults, um, but that. In a sense, Lent will be the most intense time of mortification sure, in the year, but sure. that the whole year can be a season of constant preparation. We're, we're preparing for one thing, our death right. and, God willing, our, our, our eternal glory with God. And so that, that lifetime that becomes a living, as St. Paul says, a living sacrifice to God. But mortification, what is it? So in a basic etymological level, it, it, it is... The denying of the flesh, mortis from for the body, that 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 self denial, as our Lord said, to take up your cross, to deny yourself. So, mortifying our flesh, fasting is oftentimes the other word that's kind of used synonymously with this. And and fasting doesn't just mean from food; it means you know fasting from abstaining from refraining from the use of X, Y, or Z. Um, and particularly in America, I think in Western culture, we think of fasting. We typically think of food, not so much about the other things. But yeah, right. mortification, this this denial, it, it, it's a it's an entire, it's a whole body, mind, soul thing. It's a denial of something, even sometimes a denial of a good for the greater good of understanding and coming closer to God. So, for instance, you know, giving up chocolate, chocolate unto itself is not evil, right? Right. Right. Even no, in Ranger baseball, isn't even right. Right, <laughs> these things are, are right. morally neutral. But sure. we 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 say, oh, well, I'm going to give up chocolate because it's such a bad thing for me. Well, no, eating a piece of chocolate pie every night is a bad thing for you. Mm-hmm. Having a small piece of you know 20 or 50 calories of chocolate a day is not going to kill you. But if the idea is not just that we can say no to overeating chocolate; it's the the fact that I can say no to this thing. Mm-hmm. Out of love for God, yeah, you know, in the in the in the prayer uh, that the the penitent prays and in, in the um, act of contrition, we say to love God above all things, mm-hmm. and so mortification is kind of helping us to deny our love for things, our our sensual desire for things. So mortification becomes much broader than just mm-hmm. chocolate and other yeah. things. It like helps that. us. It helps order the love. 
in the right way. There's a great quote from the book Imitation of Christ, which is a mm. just a wonderful little book to have on hand. Um, nothing so entangles the heart of man than disordered love for created things. Mm. So mortification, fasting, abstaining from these things, you know, puts things in proper perspective as to what the greater love would be. You know, whether you're taking cold showers, you <laughs> look, warm showers feel a lot better, right? Mm. Yeah, cold shower once in a while. Okay, I sacrifice the pleasure and the joy of a warm shower. Even though there's nothing wrong with it, it helps, like you said, for a greater good, a greater love, a greater, you know, and, and fasting also is a great spiritual weapon for the sake of battling evil. Right. Our Lord makes that clear. Yep. Right? So it's, uh, yeah, it, it help order the love. Yeah, he, I, I can't remember which gospel, I venture that it's Matthew, but I can't remember, but he, he's casting out a demon and he, mm. he's like, no, I got to pray and fast right. to get this one out. Um, so it, it serves that great spiritual battle that we're constantly engaged in. That mm-hmm. we that this is another way in which that happens. But so you, you told us your first kind of yeah chocolate and but what's what are maybe a few examples of mortifications that have one stood the test of time maybe or two at least you could see a real actual benefit maybe immediately or mm-hmm. you know with time of reflection you've seen oh that that discipline at that time or that continued discipline I'm doing now really has been a benefit? Um, you know, for me, what has really helped me is I made a decision, you know, some time ago, a while back, that I was going to fast every day in some way for my wife and my kids. Mm. And so, and I do this. I mean, maybe not so much on Sundays. It's a day where it's a, it's a mini Easter every yeah, Sunday yeah. and such. But in general, six days a week, almost without fail, I fast in some way. Sometimes it's skipping a meal. Sometimes I don't, I'm not going to eat until... Dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat until lunch. Um, I'm going to eat half of what I normally would eat. I'm going to I'm going to to drink water instead of having you know coffee or, or you know I'm not a soft drink drinker. But if someone's going to do that, you know, give sweet up that. tea in the south. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but for me, those are the things that really helped me benefit. Is when I made the decision, I'm not doing this just during Lent. I'm doing this 365. Basically, my that what I mean by that is year round. I'm mm-hmm. going to be fasting and sacrificing something. I'm going to drive down the road and I'm not listening to the radio. Oh, I really want to listen to that talk show. I want to listen mm-hmm. to some music. You know what? I'm fasting. I'm abstaining from. I'm I'm denying, uh, even listening to the radio um, for this length of time. I'm going to add another rosary on to to my prayer time as I'm driving, whatever it might be. But when I made that commitment, Father, to say I'm doing this year round. Every day, I'm going to be doing something. Sometimes it's smaller, sometimes it's bigger, depending on, on the day and what, what, what my schedule's like and, and so forth. But that's when I started seeing the impact. When mm-hmm. I stopped looking at it as just a season of the church, right. Lent, just now, and thought, wait a minute, every day I need to prepare for my death. Every day I need to fight for my wife and my children spiritually. Uh, how do I do that best? Well, if our Lord went into the desert for 40 days before he began his public ministry, and he fasted and prayed to the point where the, the, Lucifer comes to him and actually says, you know, hey, you want some bread? Turn these stones into bread. Right. Okay, if our Lord's going to do that, and he's God, before he engages in, in, in the spiritual work that he's, he's, he comes into the world to do the redemptive mission and so forth, well, I, I can follow that lead of my, my, my Lord and my King. And I, gotta, I have a wife. I mean, I understand before God, and he's going to say, what did you do to prepare the woman on the other end of that ring you know, your ring mm-hmm. finger there, for heaven. What did you do? Well, I, you know, we went to Mass every Sunday. 
what else did you do? Did you fight for? Well, yeah. And I always say to men, look, if someone's going to kick in your front door and bad guys coming at your wife, are you going to fight for her? Yeah, you bet I would. Okay. Do you know how to fight? Uh, most guys don't. So right. that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Wednesday nights. Okay. St. Greg's yeah. Gym. Tyler, 815. Be there, man. But I'm serious. But spiritually speaking, like no one's ever kicked in my door, thanks be to God. But spiritually, my wife, my children, they're under spiritual attack. So what kind of a man am I? I want to be a fighter for my family. So for me, I guess the answer to your question is, you know, what made the impact when I chose at that moment to say, I'm doing this all the time. Mm. I'm not doing this just during the season of Lent. And I'm going to, I'm going to pick a variety of things. And for the big thing for me was skip the meals. Have one meal a day or two meals a day or, or cut half the meal in half or, or you know, one cup of coffee instead of three, whatever it might be, which for some people that's penance for the people you're around if you're right, drinking less right. coffee. But, you know. Right. So, yeah, that was the impact for me is when I made the decision, I'm doing this all the time. I'm doing something every day. And I, I just, I don't, my wife and children, I do not let them out of my sight and my heart and my mind. Right. And that's... Yeah, you alluded to some that's in Matthew's uh, gospel about don't look gloomy. You know that the, mm. these things that we do, these mortifications that we do, and we undertake are not to uh, to put on airs or to make us you know look so great in the eyes of others. Or nope. oh gosh, Doug looks like heck. I guess he's just fasting all the time. Well, <laughs> no, then then really you, you you do need to think. Okay, what is my actual motivation, my intention? But but obviously that living out your vocation as husband and father helped you to more deeply integrate this into yes. your own life yes. because uh, as a you know unmarried single man there is a sense of i'm doing this for me which is not evil like that that's why sure. the church says you got to prepare get, your soul right yeah. you've got you've got to be a person who's working on sanctification with the grace of god um but but in the context of uh, of your vocation you really discovered another deeper layer and i think right. I, I would agree like for me as a priest my my whole attitude of, of Lent, particularly, because again, I, I take on a lot of mortification throughout the year because I, I, I want to let this be a way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, now, St. John Vianney is a good example for you, priest, of gosh, course. But that yeah. idea that, yeah, I'm husband to the church, yeah. father to these children, like, yeah. I need to get my act together. So uh, one of my best memories of a, of a mortification that really, you know, sunk deep <laughs> was I was 18, 19. Um, I was in the seminary and I was pretty floored. I, I went to this priest for confession. I I don't recall what I confessed, but it obviously, in, in his mind, was pretty egregious. Uh, but uh, he said, I want you to sleep on the floor for the next week. Whoa. And nice. Yeah. Our, my room as a, a freshman in <laughs> seminary was a six-foot by ten-foot room with, you know, a bare-thin mattress as it was. But the floor was just concrete. So it, it wasn't, and it wasn't <laughs> like I had an egg crate thing to sleep on or something. No, I'm just going to sleep on the sheet. He was like, you can put a sheet down, but... I'm going to sleep on the sheet, on the concrete, nice. with my little you know blanket over me. And I was like, darn, that that hurts. Because I actually, yeah. one, I have to do that in order to receive the grace of that absolution. I actually right. have to do my penance, right? Um, that's, but a got, good, that's a good point, Father. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. Everybody listening right now, you we actually do have to fulfill the penance that's in right. order for the confession to be complete that's and right. for everything to stick the way it's supposed that's to. That's right. A valid confession <laughs> requires you do your penance. But yeah. the uh but that was a that was kind of a wake up call because mm-hmm. I, not not that I hadn't done some decent penitential works in my high school age. I had a great priest and uh, a 
permanent deacon who really was a, kind of a spiritual guru and helped me to chasten myself a little bit through my high school years. But that was the first time I was like, okay, um, this really hurt, and <laughs> I, but at the same time, I, I felt great. Like yeah. I, I felt like, oh, I'm doing this f- for my own good, but I'm also doing this f- to help others. Like yeah. there's a because the priest said, like, hey, when you wake up at two a.m. and you're miserable. I want you to pray for your mom. I want you to pray, you know, just nice. think about think about somebody who you know yeah. you love who could use the prayers. And so that was that was a big connection for me. It was okay, this is not just about me. This is about something else. It's about God, but it's also about other people. But what that developed into over the course of, you know, a few more years um, was a self-imposed way of life for me. Yeah. It was um, in college, so I left seminary for a little bit for about three and a half years, and... I was poor <laughs> and I was paying for college and paying for my apartment and working. And so, you know, part of this was, was certainly I'm sure to a degree practical, but so I'm moving in my, my first apartment, I'm living on my own mom and dad are real sweet. And they're like, we'll help you with your first month's rent. And, mm-hmm. uh, mom's like, you got to have a table to eat at, but we're talking about a, a table, like not anything fancy, a very basic, you know, a little nicer than a card, like a fancy card table, basically. <laughs> But no mention of bed, no mention of chairs, no mention of couch. Like, no, I, I don't need those things to live. I need a place to set my food so that I can consume yeah. my calories and then go back to work and go back to school. But but I knew I had a choice. I could save up money and buy these things or not. And so I made a conscientious effort at 20, you know, 20 years old. I'm not going to buy a bed. Like, I don't one, I don't need it. Mm. But two, this is a way in which I can more faithfully enter into penance for my soul, because at 20, I was, you know, I needed some help, but also for these people that I, you know, love and encounter, like even at work, you know, or at school, encountering people who I could offer that, that suffering up. And so to a great degree for the next number of years, uh, you know, times I slept on a couch, but overwhelmingly I slept on the floor Mm. and it became something that was not just a, a mortification for the sake of, you know, Justin Braun, it was like, no, I can deny myself at this basic level for good, for the good of others on a regular basis. And it helped kind of transform the whole way I changed. Mm-hmm. I, I thought about mortification. So I sleep on a bed today most mm-hmm. of the time um, because I have to be well-rested and serving others sure. as a priest on right. my feet 15 hours a day. But yeah. And we want you well-rested right, and able to move fast if we're in need of a priest Right. <laughs> on her deathbed in the right. hospital, whatever. Right. But you want, yeah. but yeah, I want to be the best I could be. And so sure. a priest friend of mine some years later, while I was in seminary again, uh, said, you know, spend three money on three things as a priest, books, bed, and your shoes. Cause you see, you're going to be on your yeah. feet a lot. Yeah. Make sure you have comfortable shoes. Yeah. You need to get a good night's sleep and you need to know what you're teaching. And so mm-hmm. th- that's kind of stuck with me. I'd admit I'd spend a little bit of money on investments, but you know, I think that's a good thing too. It's good. Um, it is good, yeah. But the right, the, the right mindset about this whole mortification question is important because as, uh, we're talking about the discipline and discipleship. Like, think about the apostles. Mm-hmm. When Jesus said, follow me, they abandoned the fishnets. You know, Matthew gets up from the tax collector's table. They just said no to everything that was normal to them, mm-hmm. everything that provided a, a means of living to follow Christ. And like you said, we're going to go to heaven and say, I gave up chocolate, right? So I, it's a call to, <laughs> kind of a call to arms. I don't want to put any pressure on you, but 
we need to think about this question. We need to think about how am I integrating this mortification in my daily life? How is it changing me as a man of God, as a woman of God? How is it bringing me into closer union with God? And, and, so. well, and, and do you think, Father, in one sense, that I think it's, it can be more challenging for, for us lay people because just because we don't have— we don't take vows of poverty, chastity, obedience, right. things of that nature. So, for for me, I have to I have to look at um, my own personal relationship with God, prayer life. I, I need to take it upon myself to to study the church. I need to look at the catechism. I need to read through the scriptures and understand. Look, this this was an integral part. Not <clears throat> excuse me, not just for for a priest or for religious, mm-hmm. but this is for a human being, a person. Right. And so if. The church isn't going to say, okay, you lay people need to have this and this and this. The church does say you need to sacrifice and fast, though. You do need to contribute this part of yourself and die to self mm-hmm. for the faith and so forth. So the, the, there's a difficulty to that. So I just want to encourage you know, my, my lay brothers and sisters out there, look, we, we have to take it upon ourselves to realize that we've got to dig deep into this prayerfully, scripturally, uh, catechism, and, and understand that, okay, State of life affects it. If you're a laborer and you're out there doing a lot of physical labor, that's going to change maybe what you can fast on and so forth to right. someone who doesn't have as much physical you know, exertion in a day. But in general, you still need to be stepping up to do something mm-hmm. and realize that it is a dying to self. And that, that key part right there makes me think about you know, years ago in this work when you you know you talk to exorcists and so forth and we've interviewed many when I was doing life on the rock on EWTN and and you know you hear that one of the key things that the satanic church pushes a cult push is something called the satanic bible this is the actual real book that exists and they have their Anton LaVey wrote this right and you know tragic tragic that this is even in existence but the first call it commandment, because they have a set of rules they would call their, you know, diabolical commandments. The first one is, thy own will be done. Mm. Thy own will be done. What does our Lord say to those? If you want to if you want to get to heaven, you need to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me, as you mentioned earlier, Father. So the idea of denying self, <clears throat> pardon me, full, flies in the face of what, what, the, what the devils, the demons want us to do. Right. It's a complete slap in their face, and who doesn't want to slap the demons in the face, so to speak? That's you right. know, um, and always in the name of Jesus. But what I'm getting at is, Thy own will be done. My comfort, my luxury, my pleasure, what I want. Christ is over here saying, No, deny yourself, follow me. You know, make sure that every day you you don't forget that first commandment. God is number one. Seek the relationship with God. Nurture the relationship with God. The commandment, first commandment, the Catechism teaches being vigilant. Mm-hmm. In that relationship with God, mm-hmm. which involves what he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, but deny, 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 in as much that it keeps us in the right frame of mind as to what our what our time in this world is all about. Yeah. And I think of that, that just gets me thinking about Our Lady, mm. the greatest enemy of the devil. Yes. What does she say? Oh. Thy will, thy will be, be done. done. Yeah. Not my will, yeah. thy will. So we just let it be done unto me according to thy word. And this is something, Father, I just cannot stress enough. You mentioned Our Lady, got to bring in this. Oh, yeah. Rosary. And if you have a hard time out there, I mean, and I've struggled with it too, everybody does, denying yourself even to take 15 to 20 minutes to calmly pray the rosary, mm-hmm. to shut everything off for a little bit and just focus on the rosary. Look, giving up food and meals and, and, and whatever it might be. Sleeping on the floor. I mean, those are incredible sacrifices. But for some people, just giving it fifteen to twenty minutes to pray, yeah, is a challenge. So at least we should be doing this minimum prayer time every day, and especially something as powerful as a rosary. 
And then from there, adoration and, and sacrifice of the mass more than just on Sundays and, and, and all these great things that come from the spirit of denying myself, right. my pleasures, my my thy will be done, my will be done, and focusing more on, Lord, oh God. what you want from me. Right, and that kind of moves us right into that second, you know, big Judeo-Christian concept of, of this spirit of penance and discipline is is prayer, mm-hmm. is that when we enter into Lent, we also hear the, the call to, to engage more in the life of prayer. And, you know, obviously, priests, lay people, religious, pope, bishops, cardinals, whomever, we all have different lives of prayer. There's no doubt about it. And, and I think that's one of the, the, the beauties of our faith is the myriad number of people there are there's different spiritualities mm. that, that really speak to different groups of people and individuals. But prayer is an essential part of discipleship. Right. Like to follow Christ, to really be one of his, his students and one of his, his followers, we've, we've got to engage that life of prayer. We've got to be more integrated in our discipline of prayer. And so mm. you just want to move into that a little bit, you know, that this relationship between prayer and self-mastery, um, St. John Paul II talking about in his catechesis theology of the body, is that prayer, because it's so different than anything else we do, you know, it's the engagement of a relationship mm. with, a, with the unseen God. Mm. Uh, we see him in the Eucharist. We've got to remember that. We right. see him as we encounter him through the creation that he's given to us. But, but to, to have, you know, you and I have these great conversations that I look forward to whenever we're recording podcasts yeah, and the rare times we get to actually see each other outside of that. But but this time of prayer takes discipline. It mm. takes habits of of love for God that will help us ultimately to love God more and to love our neighbor. And, and before you, I really turn it to you, one of the images can come from the priest. It's not so expected, but I always think of the relationship between a husband and a wife when I think of prayer. And I've got two great brothers-in-law, a, a dad who's a rock star. Um, but I think about being a dude and our generally natural disposition to not want to talk. You know, just <laughs> silence is more our, our go-to, um, a lot of nonverbal communication. Even the idea of sitting around the fire, people are like, oh, he's just going to— we don't really talk that much. I mean, yeah. we might have some stories to share, yeah. but it's just that shared experience. But but every good husband I know takes time to speak to his wife mm-hmm. and to listen to his wife. And that takes discipline. That means Doug gets home from a long day of work, being around you know at the high school with hundreds of kids, being in an office, on the phone, whatever. Mm-hmm. you got to come home and say, honey, how are you? Yeah. And, I, and that... That takes discipline. And so I, I want to just encourage, particularly the, the men, but, but all of us, this is part of the discipline of loving God, is that we do have to actually set aside time and say no to ourselves, say no to that, oh, I just want to watch whatever on TV and just kick my feet up. But like, no, yeah. I've I got to make that time for God yeah. start there. So just get some of your thoughts on this connection of you know discipline and prayer and, and more kind of broadly how prayer is part of that mm. experience of Lent that... that draws us into its ultimate purpose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that simple definition of prayer is it's, it's communication with God is, is, you know, as you said, that's just we're all, we're all wired for that, built for that. But communication with other people also, you know, is a key part of that. And then, of course, you, you boil that down to the most intimate people in your life, your, your family, your, 
your, your spouse, your children, brothers, sisters, and so forth. And the communication with these people that are most important, most intimate, personal to you is, is essential and critical. And anybody who's ever looked at relationship problems can, can point out, if you look at it enough, and it doesn't take long, when the communication starts dying off and, and, and distancing, the problems really rise up and, and, and grow. Mm-hmm. And the communication might be rough at times. It might be hard. It might you're struggling here or there. And, and some of it is because of selfishness and feelings and emotions. And you know, 30 years of marriage coming up here soon. And I can tell you, tell you that uh, you know any of the times that my wife and I have had any rough spots, any uh, you know speed bumps, whatever you want to call it, in the marriage, oftentimes is because of selfishness that creeps in. Arguments, disagreements, most of the time, you know, if they become anybody, any marriage I talk with, you know, people who've been married, you know, they get inflamed, they get worked up. What is it? Well, a lot of times it's just it's it's uh, emotional um, driven and a lot of times it's based on some sort of selfishness. Mm-hmm. And so the communication, you know, of communi- with, with your wife, with your spouse, uh, not this is a marriage podcast, but, you know, it, it is part of the bigger picture that if I don't have the general daily good healthy communication with her, if I'm not dying to self to ask her how her day is, and then and when she asks me how's your day, what do you think about this, how's this going on? Like you said, a lot of guys are like, yeah, it's fine. Well, can you go? Can you expound on that? Can right. you go? Well, I, what do you want to say? How about did you this? Well, I didn't think of that. I didn't think of. How about that? Well, I don't know. Well, that's not enough. That doesn't no. cut it. Now, it doesn't mean you got to sit down and, and, you know, give a whole thesis on your how your day is gone, but let's at least sit down and say, well, yeah, a couple things happened, and, you know, tell her how you feel about it. Tell her what happened. Make sure you're talking to her, and when she tells you how her day is going, ask her, well, how'd you feel about that? Mm-hmm. There is, you're absolutely right, Father. That's the important thing to bring up. Discipline to communicate. Just because we're in love with someone in marriage doesn't mean that all these things are natural and automatic, mm-hmm. and selfishness can easily creep in, and the devil's really good at playing off of those things. Really good at stirring up emotions and, and mind games and, and really causing these temptations of me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. And the me monster starts taking over mm-hmm. rather than, you know, the, the giving and the loving and the right. we. Yeah that's, yeah, that's good. Me instead of we. And, and so, I, I, you know, for me, prayer time with the Lord, 15, 20 minutes minimum with my rosary, some scripture, start the morning with prayer, end the day with prayer, prayer throughout the day. It's conversation prayer. Sometimes it's um, I'm, I'm begging mercy. Sometimes I'm pleading for things. Sometimes I'm thanking for things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm just being in the presence. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm with my wife, we're just in the room together, yep. not talking, but the love is there. The relationship is there. So we can be there and just hold hands or she can walk past me and just touch my shoulder. She's walking by. And there's communication there, mm-hmm. but that has been built up over the years of of being of, of disciplining yourself to do that. Yeah. So for anybody out there, especially newly married people, make sure your your those little gestures are important. It's like it's like the the, the prayers throughout a day. It's a, the bowing your head at the name of Jesus. Just when you think of the name of Jesus twenty times a day, and that's your prayer at that moment. That's like walking past your spouse and just kind of brushing them on the back of the neck, letting mm-hmm. them know I'm here and I'm thinking of you. Yeah, and and you you bring up a, a kind of a good analog in in the life of all Christians uh, is that you know you're driving past a Catholic church, to, yes, to, to cross yourself, that take right. that time to engage our Lord for that moment. But it is discipline that comes forward in communication that 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 is a big transition and and that's a, that's an element of lent that I do like that that I I think is unique to lent and that 
I call it the, the church's annual retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody knows it's coming. Everybody, whether or not they'll admit it, I think do, does kind of look forward to Lent in some mm-hmm. ways. Um, for me, it's, it's I, I would argue maybe 70 to 80% of priests also say the same thing. It's my favorite time of the year. Mm-hmm. It, it because it's like everybody really actually wants to do the thing. They really want to fall more in love with Jesus. You see more people come to confession. You see more people come to daily mass. You see people mm-hmm. just popping in for little visits to the Blessed Sacrament. But, but again, boy, howdy, I, I, I'm the dad of the, of the place. i got to get my act together. So it, it, mm-hmm. it helps me to have a more deeply interior experience of, of Lent. But, but because we're all on that same page, you know, for at least for the, these, these right. days of Lent, where right. there, there's a more communal sense of we need to pray kind of a focused common denominator that we all recognize right we want we we start with remember your dust into dust you shall return and we we end with he is risen alleluia alleluia in the meantime we're all we're all working to get to that alleluia alleluia Mm. so the discipline of prayer how it transforms our life is that it teaches us and and in so many ways, it teaches us to think less of ourselves. Right. And that, that beautiful aspect of, of God's grace that dwells within us through the graces of the sacraments and in through the grace of our prayers, that we we come out of, of Lent into the, the, the then the 50 days of joy, the 50 days mm-hmm. of celebration, especially the octave of Easter, to really triumphantly celebrate the victory of Christ conquering death and sin. But you get there because you've been preparing, you've been mm-hmm. making the time. And, and then God willing, hopefully, it transitions into these, like that you don't just, all right, well, I prayed for, you know, I did my Lenten prayer, now I'm done. But know that it transforms you and, and it leads into lifelong discipleship, lifelong discipline of prayer. And we we have to we have to kind of always keep that in mind, that this isn't just for the season, this is really for my whole life, because I'm preparing for that ultimate judgment. I'm preparing to come before our Lord who's going to ask me, how did you love me? Right. Here, Lord, I, I gave up this time of my life every day because I love you, and I, and I wanted to be united with you. But practical things, we're going to talk about more practical things towards the end of the podcast. Right. But one thing with, with, I think, with prayer during the season of Lent, it's just, it, it lends itself outside of the rosary because you and I both mama Mary is she's the best so oh, just yeah. pray your rosary every day and you, your, your life will improve dramatically oh, but absolutely but the stations of the cross mm. instead of just you know it, it frustrates me that it's not something more on ongoing year-round even in my own life I have to admit I've had some years where I prayed the stations every Friday mm. um, oftentimes Tuesday and Friday I kind of keep Tuesday is also another day of just particular penance and mortification but um, Instead of scrambling to get to the, for our more national audience, fish fries are fish fries, people. That's all they are. It's a way for the Knights of Columbus to make money, which they give back to the church. That's a very good thing. But you don't go to the church for the fish fry. You go to the church to pray and and really to encourage our listeners to focus on that. Taking your family, yes, even your small children, who will probably drive you a little bit crazy. Guess what? You can (laughs) offer it up. But... The Stations of the Cross is a beautiful devotion. Particularly, I like Alfonso Liguori's text that most mm. churches use. But, right. um, but that prayer is such a deep meditation, and, and in a way it incorporates the fasting 
uh, aspect because, you know, that standing up, kneeling, mm. you know, walking if you're doing, you know, in a bigger church or maybe you're doing live stations or something. But, you know, that, that discipline of the whole body, mind, and soul to be engaged in that prayer and to not let it just be the antecedent for your fish fry. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> No offense, Knights of Columbus, by right. the way, a fourth degree. Love you guys. But yeah. um, we got we to take, take time to really let that prayer speak to what its, its purpose is. So right. last thing we're going to talk about um, in depth for a little bit is going to really be the, the most uncomfortable again for everybody because it's, uh, it's money. Um, but, but we look at the gospel in Matthew where he's, he's laying out the reason for all these things. Like, why do we pray? Why do we fast? Why do we give alms? Um, and we don't let our left hand know what our right hand's doing. Mm. You know, they're, they're, that I think is it, 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 it's it's a, a homily I know I've given a few times, but it's complete detachment hmm. from material wealth. Um, that's a hard thing. You're a layman. You have to. I, I actually have to be sensible about my money too. By the way, I mean sure. I have to embrace a, a strictness of life and a, a poverty that that's real. But I also, you know, I've got nephews and nieces that I want to buy gifts for. I have a car that I have to pay for, things like that. Sure. So I have to make sure I'm not just wasting all my money on whatever. But as a husband and as a father, it's really hard to not let the left hand know what the right hand's doing, right? Because oh, sure. you've, you've got bills to pay. you got, you know, yeah. mouths to feed. Um, but underneath that, what do we see our Lord is really commending us to do? Yeah. Just not putting our, our trust you know, it, on the dollar bill, it says, in God we trust. It's not in the dollar bill we trust. It's in God we trust. So I want you to talk a little bit about your experience of coming to understand more deeply how almsgiving is a great part of the discipline of discipleship mm-hmm. and, and how it's worked in your life. Well, I mean, detachment, the word detachment, the word surrender, um, these are hard words for us. Mm. You know, and for anybody listening here in the United States of America, it has— you know, in Western civilization and Europe, anywhere where there, we, we have this freedom to amass um, really unlimited, you know, depending on our gifts, our skills, our, you know, collaboration with others, businesses and whatever, you know, you can become a billionaire. Right. You can amass more money than you could ever spend in your life. You could be the man that creates electric cars and shoots rockets into space, and it's he's he's a he, this isn't NASA, okay? We well, you, can, you right. know, uh, what's his name? Elon Musk. That's yeah. it, the, the Tesla guy. That's it. Yeah, you know, you can be the, the Bill Gates and any of these guys who are have, have more money than than the Arabs in Saudi Arabia with their oil, um, but none of it goes with you when you die. That's right. As the saying goes, there's never a U-Haul attached to the back of your hearse on the way to the cemetery. <laughs> All right. The Egyptians tried this years ago. We've opened their tombs. Their stuff is still here. We now have it in museums. We're making money off of their stuff that they couldn't take with them after they died. We mm-hmm. came into the world with nothing. We came in naked. We're leaving naked, basically, of mm-hmm. anything in this world, even the clothes on our back. So, you know, I guess what, what, what strikes me about material possessions, money in general and so forth, and why we cling to it is there has been this, this false idea that's, that has been just, just percolating in so many lives from the beginning of the fall of man that stuff is going to make me happy, make me feel secure. My 401ks, my, my, uh, my, my, any retirement fund and all this, this is where I find my contentment and my peace. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, the more we're willing to detach from these things, the more liberation and the more contentment we really feel. Mm-hmm. Here and now. 
which is in really this nice. in this day and age, absolutely, yeah. Father. Right now, while I'm living and breathing, if I know that the stuff that I have can be taken away like that, a fire, a storm, what have you, uh, the the economy can crash, and we know that can happen. It's right. happened. It could happen again. All the things that we have can be taken in a moment's notice. Um, clinging to it just doesn't make any good logical sense. Now, I understand, again, yeah, I've got bills to pay, and it's good to have a little money for the rainy day, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, really, it, it's better to have the money knowing that it's a tool. Right. And the priest who told me years ago when I was younger, you know, and kind of <laughs> really kind of digging more deeper into my spiritual life before I got married even, he said, you know, money is a tool. Use it that way. You've got to pay the bills. You know, you want to put braces on your kids. That's great. You want to make sure the roof is over the head. And all that stuff's important. Um, but it is a tool. God's allowing it. Use it in, in good ways for the glory of God. But that is also, uh, that also involves making sure that the church is supported, making mm-hmm. sure that, that you know, the, the ministries that are out there and, and the religious orders that are out there have what they need. Now, it's gotten a little stickier, a little muddier these days with regards to the church because of all the corruption that we see in different areas, Yeah, you know, all the way up to the Vatican with the banking situation and all, and people listening right now know, yeah, there's stuff out there that's really difficult. So you do have to be careful. Yeah, You have to find the right orders. You have to study, vet them, know whether or not this is really a place that is a good place to, to, to give the money to. But the local church that you go to still has to pay the electric bill. Mm-hmm. Still has to to make sure, because you, you're running a parish too, yep. you know, up there in Texarkana, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you got to pay that electric bill. You got to make sure that the doors <laughs> are working and the roof isn't leaking and the air conditioner's running and all these things. And and so yeah, if we're going to be using this body of the church, mm-hmm. um, we need to be contributing to it for the very basic needs that it has has to have. That's a practical thing. But on a deeper level, detachment within your heart and soul to the things, the the stuff. Yep. that we can get our hands on, it all goes away. Good friend of mine, Eric Jenis, I've mentioned it before, another podcast, classical musician, great, great guy, great friend, was playing his baby grand piano in his living room because that's his job. He's a, he's a concert pianist. And he's playing his baby grand in his living room, and his, his kids were there, and he said, hey, kids, you know what's going to happen to this piano one day? You know where it's going to end up? Uh, in an antique store? Well, yeah, maybe. But you know ultimately where it's going to end up? Where's that, Dad? In the landfill. <laughs> One day, this beautiful baby grand piano is going to end up in the landfill. In other words, it all goes away one day. Mm-hmm. So detach from it now. Don't cling to it you know, interiorly because it isn't even for us to have permanently. Right. It's for us to use for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Yeah, and you point out something that I know we talked about in our podcast on beauty evangelization, that just that this idea of, of giving for the not just for the maintenance of the church, but for the beauty. Yes. That, that, oh, you know, yes. This is a. This is. I. That's a. Yeah. Funny to yeah. put point this out, but I, I got this from uh, a recording of a U two concert in Italy. <laughs> uh, but Bono's sitting there musing uh, as usually he does at his concerts and uh, talking about the first uh, the first motion pictures were you know experience of of the pilgrim coming into a church and seeing stained glass windows and I think about that like that struck me like Bono said that Bono said that to a bunch of Italians so uh, you know they're all like whoo yeah because uh, there's a lot of beautiful stained glass windows in in Italy but yeah. the the idea there is that the church's beauty um, is not just for the the members it's not just for the people who are you know coming to daily mass and coming to Sunday mass? It's for anybody who walks in the sh- in from the street that wants to get a taste of God. And, mm. and this is a little tangent. We'll get back to this bigger spirit of detachment and almsgiving. But 
I work uh, in Texarkana at Sacred Heart uh, Catholic Church, which is real close to the intersections of three highways. And so we get a fair amount of people mm. off the street who come sure. in looking for help. Um, and more often than not, they're looking for money. But more often than not, too, I just tell them, hey, before you go, wherever you're going, um, we'll help you in whatever way we can. And oftentimes we're able to in some small way. But I want you to just go sit in the church. Mm. And, and if you fall asleep, that's fine. But I just want you to sit there in the church, and and not infrequently they they they're like Father, that was that's just what I needed. Like hmm. it, it just lifts their soul and gives them a sense yeah. of purpose and peace. So thinking about your church, especially during the season of Lent, maybe uh, I know in the diocese, Tyler, we've got Bishop's appeals coming up, mm-hmm. so that that's one thing. But but thinking about how you can help beautify your church. But to get back to the the the, the life of alms giving in general, I think also of of the widow's pence. You know mm-hmm. that. She gave from her very need, yeah. as opposed to giving from your excess, and that, and that's a challenging proposition because again, Bill Gates can he he's the I think second or third most you know uh, wealthy man in the world. Jeff Bezos right now is crushing it somehow or another, yeah. despite a divorce and all that. But the idea that Bill Gates gives you know hundreds of millions of dollars a year, and I'm not chiding on Bill Gates. Bill Gates does a, he does give money to a lot of wonderful causes, some that are challenging to accept. But but the one thing that that's that's true is that if if Bill wants to give until it hurts, he's going to give until it hurts, mm-hmm. and that may happen. And we can pray that that he's going to have that freedom to do that. But when you're just giving from your excess, when you make you know, your bonus at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, and you're giving 5% of that, well, no, that's all quote-unquote cheddar. It's all good. Mm. It's all, you know, you, you're getting extra, extra at that point. Giving from that is, is, is not what our Lord's, our Lord's saying. Look, look at your heart and see where your true attachment is. Yeah. And so that detachment from even the need is really a depth that the widow's pence image kind of helps us to understand. She she had two two things to give to the widow in the widow's pence. Uh, these two mites, I think, is the word that's used, and um, she she gives of it freely because she trusts in our Lord, and that's one of the the areas that that helped me to to better understand mm. this spirit of detachment from money and alms giving, like to give freely. To make the concerted effort to give without thinking about what's going to happen. So again, just a, a common experience is, I don't want to give money to homeless people because they're going to go buy alcohol or drugs or whatever. Sure. Okay, fair enough. And certainly we experienced that. I, I've worked with the homeless since I was 16, so I, I yeah, I definitely know. I've seen the guy I gave money to, you know, at the liquor store as I'm driving <laughs> by. It stinks. Yeah, so, I've run to that too. Yeah. <laughs> so so. Here's what you do. Here, here's a practical recommendation. Don't give that guy money. Say, hey, I'll walk to the store and buy you the food. Yeah. But give from something that you maybe even that you needed. Like, okay, you were about to go to Chick Fil A and get your you know chicken nuggets on a Thursday, not a Friday. Um, <laughs> and you you buy him the Chick Fil A instead. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that you give freely, so giving without counting the cost, I'm going to to, to make that gift 
to, to support charitable things like St. Vincent de Paul Society or Catholic mm-hmm. Charities here in, the, here in our diocese and throughout the country, Catholic Extension Society, which does so much work for, for immigrants, for the poor, for the, the areas of our country that are truly still stuck as, as true missionary areas yeah. where there's not a lot of money to even pay for their clergy. Like These are ways in which you can, can make a, a deeper yeah. sacrificial gift. Well, and St. Mother Teresa said, I mean, well, it's attributed to her that you know when you when you give money to the poor and you're not sure what they're going to end up doing with it, she says, "Well, give anyway." I mean, you want to be clever, not clever, common sense enough to vet it, right? And and try your best to be wise. Of course, that, that's not what she's saying, but she's saying, "Don't be afraid to be a fool in charity." Mm-hmm. Okay, is it you know the Lord understands what you're trying to do? So I've done that where I was at a gas station one time on a trip. And uh, someone walks over, hey, man, I haven't eaten, can I have some? Well, right, right next to the gas station was, I forget what, some, some restaurant, fast food restaurant. I said, well, I'll tell you what, let me finish putting the gas in here. We'll walk over and I'll buy you a meal. And he's, oh, that'd be great, man. And so we did it. And so it's one of those things where, yeah, you can be clever in the way you give, like you're saying, you know, yeah. just buy the meal and so forth. Or, you know what, I got, a, I got a bag of, you know, something in the car here that's an open bag of chips, whatever, you know. Right. You, you can do things like that. I know a young woman who she keeps extra, like, you know, uh, cliff bars, granola bars, whatever, right. in her car. She sees some of the other needs, so she'll hand them two or three. Yep. I mean, you can do things like this. It's it's called be clever, go out of your way to prepare for even giving. That's a yep. great way to do it. But that spirit of detachment has to be at the heart of it all. Right. So you're buying that extra box of Cliff Bars that I, I recommend people have a case of water in their car. If you're, especially if you're in a high traffic area where you know a lot of people are going to be begging and asking yeah. for, for yeah. things. Hand them a bottle of water. Hand them, you know, buy a bushel of bananas at the beginning of sure. the week and just yeah. hand out bananas. Again, you're being it creative and intelligent about how you're doing this but you're you're doing it out of your need even you're saying okay right. instead of me going to the movie and buying that nice dinner this week i'm going to do this on a mm-hmm. weekly basis or i'm going to do this on a monthly basis but well and i don't think our lord can get any clearer than the widow's mite story right she gave more than they did she gave from her need they gave from their excess who can't read that and think <laughs> okay i got to put this in perspective with my own life he's pretty Clear Here. about that, right? Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not one of those things where the doctors of the church are like, "What did he really mean by?" <laughs> nope. Get rid of it. So you're detached yeah. from the things again. Going back to the the prayer of uh, the act of contrition, uh, to love God above all things. Right. These these three ancient disciplines of mortification or fasting of prayer and almsgiving all are helping to lead us at a basic level to self-denial right. so that we're not so indulgent in our own in our own lives and our own passions but at a, at a meta level or a greater level our whole life is to be a renunciation of the evils of this world and the selfishness that comes with that mm-hmm. so that we may be like Christ and right. pour ourselves out for others to you know being a Christian means you're an altar Christus another Christ like mm-hmm. that people encounter Christ in encountering you so we want to just Jump into the chariot, kind of finish off. Uh, it, there's about a thousand practical things I can think of right now. But we, we, you know, Father, from now on, when we do the chariot thing, we see if the guys in the in the in the boot there can give us some like some horse noises. Right. <laughs> and horses riding off with a chariot in the back. We got got a background sound. I would like that too. Yeah. So maybe you guys in the studio work can work that, on yeah. that. But we're gonna get into the <laughs> into the chariot and uh, and share a little bit of bit of the practical things that come along with this for um, for everybody. You know, Doug and I 
oftentimes spend time with men, so we'll maybe have some particularly masculine rec- you know, recommendations. But really, any of these broadly are going to apply to any Christian because yeah. we're all called to this life of, yeah. of to take it, deny ourselves. Yeah, whatever ministry you're involved in, men's ministry, family ministry, pro-life ministry, you're right. Right. We're Christians. We're all Christians. We need to be incorporating these things. We're called to these things. So first one on mortification, uh, I, l- I like the idea that you, you were talking about. Is this? It's an ongoing year, 365. It's yeah. not just Lent. Um, particularly for Lent, one of the things that I, re- I would recommend is to have a daily, a weekly, and in this sense, because it's only about it's roughly two months, but something that's maybe every every other week, like three primary disciplines, daily, weekly, and then make maybe like every other week, mm-hmm. um, or um, you know, if it's in the span of two months, like it's at least two two times during that that time frame. But these can be little things. So we were talking about coffee beforehand, and uh, I I love coffee, uh, and I drink it black year round, so that's not really a negotiation. Well, you, you don't even I mean you don't even put water in it. You're just it's chewing the beans. Basically, just yeah. chew the beans. Just chew right. the beans. Black. Right. Give me the give me the coffee bean. That's, right. That's Let me smell it and then chew it. But, the, it. <laughs> but on the other side of that, what I would do, and I, I'm not doing that this year, but I, in years past when I would have sugar with my with my coffee or creamer with my coffee, I would just cut those things mm-hmm. out. So instead now, you know, I, I drink very good, hard black coffee all the time. <laughs> I might drink wheat coffee. Like, mm-hmm. it, 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 as that's a little daily thing, but, like, I know, generally speaking, the coffee I make in my, in my house is good. The coffee that's in the office is garbage. So making that sacrificial <laughs> gesture of I'm going to drink the bad coffee, something as little as that is a little opportunity. But, no, thinking about daily self-denial, it's yeah. it's the, yeah, it's the maybe I'm going to fast from a meal or I'm going to, instead of putting pepper and salt on everything, I'm going to say no to that or I'm not going to put, you know, around here we like Tony Chasseries, I'm not going to put spicy, you know, <laughs> whatever it may be. But those daily mortifications, building on a, a, a sense of a weekly mortification, like maybe a, a cold shower once a week. I was going to say, uh, I, that's, I take 52 cold showers a year, one a week, pick the day and make it happen. Right. And that's such a beautiful gesture of love yeah. for whomever you're praying for. Um, and then and then more of the periodic, and I carry this out into the year, but maybe during the season of Lent specifically, you make two like half days of complete silence mm. something like that yeah. i try to a month monthly thing for me is today a day of silence mm. but two half days or even two full days like a saturday to kind of commemorate our lord entering right. into you know into the, into the devil's territory and cast you know saying hey guess what i'm here to wreck shop like we need to enter into that <laughs> silence a little bit more deeply ourselves yeah. but that's kind of a practical recommendation on the mortification for me. What would you, anything you want to add there? Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, like like I've said earlier, and I agree with you, just to echo that is, um, you know, every day something, that, whether it's skipping a meal, wait 15 minutes before you have the meal, cut the meal in half. Um, they're not overwhelming uh, sort of sacrifices, but they're enough that you're keeping on your toes. Um, you know, I like the idea of getting some physical training in of some sort, whether it's a five-minute or it's called like a four-minute Tabata-style workout where you're doing four minutes of intense workout, you know, 20 seconds on, 20, 10 seconds rest, type of, you know, three days yeah. a week. And for some people, that's a real sacrifice, but it's a way to keep your body and your mind toned. At the beginning of the show, you know, you talked about why people exercise and train, and I always say this. Uh, in, in Corinthians, we're told your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. So how about we maintain the temple mm-hmm. for the glory of God and to fulfill the responsibilities and duties, vocation God has called you to? Make that part of your daily sacrifice as well. How am I treat, treating the temple 
for the glory of God. And we do that with my diet. I do that with my exercise. And for some people, that's a big sacrifice just yeah. to exercise. Yeah. You know, it's hard. Not everybody is a self-motivated person to exercise. So I work those things in too. Just get a little bit of exercise, make that part of your sacrifice and do it for not you, but do it for the, the others that are counting on you to be the best person mm-hmm. you can be, body, mind, and soul. I think it goes without saying, Doug and I will just, and I will put in there, less screen time, people. Oh, less screen yes, time. Yes, absolutely. Less screen time. Cut Please. back on that. God, less screen time. Just, you just Please, yeah, Lord. Yeah. yeah. So, sharks, lasers, cats, you don't need to watch those videos. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, prayer, yeah. you know, practicals of prayer. Uh, again, a recommendation for, for my perspective. And I recommend this, especially, priest, if you're listening, I, I would recommend it for you, brothers, but making. Sure, you get to Mass early. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just on Sundays, going to daily Mass, please do that too. But get to Mass at least early enough to read the readings before the Mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my brother priest, I'm saying that, like, don't run into the sacristy at the last second, throw your vestments on. Get there early enough to pray the actual vestment pra- yeah. vesting prayers and have yourself recollected. But just that, that's simple recommendation for this Lent is get to Mass early enough to actually read the readings and be ready to enter into the worship. Right. And for me, uh, one thing comes to mind, daily rosary. Yep. Pray that daily rosary without fail. Make that your discipline. Um, Our Lady will love you for it. And I'd mm-hmm. say this, you're not always going to feel like it. It's not always going to feel like you're in this deep mystical connection. Most of the time I don't. Right. But I know that I'm fulfilling something that Our Lady has asked that, that really Our Lord says is good through Our Lady, through the Church. And um, you're entering into the school of the Holy Family when you do. Yep. So. Yep. And, and particularly if even to recommend praying the Sorrowful Mysteries throughout the season yes. just to, you know, to enter into the walk that, of the Passion. Yeah. But then finally in almsgiving, uh, you know, this is very much applicable to you and the circumstances of your lives, whatever those may be. But if you're a person who's never actually tithed, I mean, 10% of your, of your income uh, to charitable causes— um, Five percent to your parish, three percent to you know. I'd say the bishop's appeal or something. You know, something kind of to sh- support the diocesan structure, and then two percent to other charities. But however, you're going to figure that out. But but can you tithe for six weeks? Hmm. That's my challenge. I'm nice. taking it too. By the way, nice. I don't know if you got one on almsgiving you want to recommend or you may like. Yeah, just I just want to I'll I, I echo what you said and just remember when you do almsgiving, remember the spirit of detachment. Detach, detach. No U-Haul on the back of your hearse. The things that we have, time, treasure, talent, but especially this, this treasure, this, this, this financial uh, monetary thing that God get, lets us work with in this world, um, use it to support the beauty of the church, the beauty of other ministries. Vet them well. I'm, right. Be smart about it, right. but don't be stingy. Right. Detach. Be detached. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great stuff. Uh, Reading-wise, just encourage you all to read the fourth part of the catechism. Uh, Deanna and Mickey did a great podcast, I think, two weeks ago. It's episode five uh, on prayer. I mean, it is so rock solid. So check that out if you get a chance. Um, today's the feast day of St. Francis de Sales, so I'd recommend if you want some good spiritual reading for the season and read his introduction to the devout life. Great book. Um, just such a good book. Yeah, a, a good book. And and finally, to, to not wait till fat tuesday to make these resolutions <laughs> be praying about and thinking about your resolutions over the, yeah. the course of ordinary time leading up to uh ash wednesday yeah, be careful of the gluttony on fat tuesday before you go to ash wednesday this is something kind of doesn't make sense there that's right <laughs> confessionals will be open on on ash wednesday um 
we're thanks, thankful so much for your time, Doug, and, and uh, as Great always, to work with you, Father. love getting to visit with you. want to encourage people, if you have uh, questions, recommendations, or follow-up, uh, please check us out at uh, www.stphilipinstitute.org or send us an email at podcast at stphilipinstitute.org. And we turn to uh, our bishop, uh, who's coming back from his apostolic visit to the Holy Father, and ask for his blessing. Lord be with you, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.